Hello, it's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age, and this is part two with our guest, Pamela Nelson hyphen Munson, because you can't see it if it's not in front of you, so I need to mention the hyphen. No. Pamela, if you've listened to the podcast, the first podcast, Pamela and I went to seventh grade and high school together, and we've kept in touch. We've been able to see each other at reunions, but I think that Pamela's story is so extraordinary. Uh, we have so many common denominators in our life. But basically, Pamela went to seminary school, had three children. Her husband is also a pastor and and then went to culinary school. But even before that, she started taking a culinary program where she was in her town. And the thing that's amazing to me is what we're talking about today is how she interwove her culinary degree into her ministry and how important food is. That's what I got out of it. Hello, Pamela, well, you're welcome. Hello, Denise. So glad to see you. Um, so I hope with that long introduction that I covered some of it because I just think that you have an extraordinary story. See, I think most women have extraordinary stories, but we never hear them. I think my mother had an extraordinary story and I didn't delve into it. I know. That's one of the things we're going to talk about at the end, about one of the things you brought up about mm -hmm. listening to the stories of people mm -hmm. when we, you know, we didn't have time. I, I resent not resent. I regret that I didn't ask my grandfather more yes. things about his early life. But, yes. you know, I was a kid and you don't think you're yes. going to need to know that. So, yes. you know, yes. now, darling, talk to me. Tell me yes. this. You've written here. Eventually, I found a culinary art program at the community college and you take it for two years. Yes. Yes. And in the and. <laughs> At towards the end of the first year, I told the chef instructor, I said, yes, I think for summer I would like to work on a train. That sounds fun. And he looks at me and he goes, you're too slow. Oh! Now, okay. <laughs> Which, yeah. I, you know, I didn't get at the time, but I, I soon learned what he meant. So I yeah. said, I've got to go out and I've got to get a job. I have to learn. I have to be in a restaurant. And so um, I looked around and I said, well, if I'm going to work, I want to work in a place that I would want to eat and that I think is like outstanding. And so I found that restaurant. It was, you know, probably I think they had 50 covers, maybe plus the bar, but they did everything from scratch. And that's what I wanted to do. And so I sent in my request to the owner and he, um, and actually I sent menus because I'm really good on menus. So I sent okay. menus and he called me, he goes, send me your resume. And I'm going, <laughs> well, that would be zero. <laughs> so he said, come in for an interview. So I came in for an interview. He actually had a psychologist develop an interview instrument because he only wanted to know two things. He could have cared less if I could cook my way out of a bag. He wanted two things. What was your work ethic and were you honest? That's all he wanted to know before he hired you. Now, I have to tell you, that's yeah. a fabulous. On 
we had, when I had to hire people, whether kitchens, catering, whatever, one of the right. questions that people failed, Pam, all the time. So you had these kids that different things and they were, of course, interviews. They were on their best behavior. They'd put on shoes and not carrying the beer can, but they <laughs> into the meeting. But I asked a question. I'd say, if you saw another employee stealing, yes, would you tell me? Yes. And I can't tell you how many people dropped the pencil and ne- and didn't finish for the interview because, oh yeah, and that told me, you know, I used to always say, and people would say this to me about my staff, and I'm so grateful, but people say, God, Denise, and besides your staff, they're so nice. How do you do that? How do you train them? Yeah, you must yeah. I said, I hire nice people. That's right. <laughs> no, that's right. And so he said, okay, I want you to hire, I want you to, to interview with my head cook, who was like, 19, 18, I don't know, yeah. 14. He was he was really young. <laughs> he's or he's interviewing this 47-year-old woman, you know, and after a week he finally calls he goes, Well, gosh darn it, sorry, you know, you can't work full time and but we'll we'll keep you in mind. And so that got me mad. So <laughs> I composed a letter to the owner. And I said, thank you for the interviews. And and I still love your restaurant. I hope you'll keep me on your short list. And in closing, here are the top 10 reasons why you should still hire me. Oh, and I love that. I, I don't remember all 10, but I remember the first one or number 10, the lowest was, I'll never be as cheap as I am now. And number one was better for me to work with you than in competition against you. Brilliant. <laughs> So brilliant. That's incredible. And he hired you. Yes. And what did you work in the kitchen or were you a hostess at that job? No, 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 no. He he hired me, put me in the pantry, and the pantry was like crazy. I mean, we did like seven plated appetizers, all like amazing plates, seven plated salad dressings. We did the amus boost. We had to come up with two different dressings every night besides the regular ones. And then we did um, sides for the, for the front, for the line. And then yeah. we had to do seven plated desserts. And so it was like crazy. And the first night I'm there, I'm going, okay, I'm working with another woman in pantry. And I, okay, that's, you know, learning curve, but I, I can do this. At the end of the evening, she says, you're going to be on your own tomorrow night. And I'm going, what? And I'm tearing off sheets of paper toweling and I'm writing, I'm drawing what the plates are supposed to look like. So I'll know the next night. I, it was so stressful that the next two weeks, every time I drove to work, I cried. I said, I cannot do this, but I did it. Yes. In culinary school, the, I was like one of the oldest, I was 33. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I would say later to people of the year, Jesus died on the cross. And honey, so a lot of the, I mean, I was old. A lot of the kids that were in culinary school at 84, they'd been cooking in restaurants, but they were in their 20s. And there were so few women, but they were all, maybe they were women that had already gone to college and now they were, you know, going to culinary school. But I would walk into the bathroom, we'd go into the bathroom, wash your hands uh, on your break and girls would just be crying. That's all it was. Girls were just sitting on the floor in their chef's outfits crying yeah yeah. and I would like kick him with my ugly shoes and say you cannot go out there if you're crying that's right yeah 
I said, you can cry in here, but bitches, you cannot yes. cry out in the kitchen. There is no crying in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was really hard to, oh, I don't know that there is a day that I started a new job. And even when I was the executive chef, Pam, that I didn't either go on the walk-in and scream or go out to my car for a minute and cry. Do you know what I mean? Because it's it's tough. There's, yeah. I can, I bet those two, it's horrible. How lovely that they, they let you have a staged position with her for one night. I know. <laughs> oh my God. Now, yeah. so how long did you last there? <laughs> um, I, the, I started in, in um, the beginning of summer and I actually tell December when, cause I was in school and I had kids at home and I, I finally went to the owner. And I said, you know, I, I can't, cause I was commuting like an hour yeah. to school. I said, something has to give. And he goes, okay, yeah. but I want you so I can call you when I need somebody. I go, okay, that's fine. That's fair. Lovely. Yeah. It sounds like you learned tons there. I learned so much and I, I loved every minute and actually Denise, just not to toot my own horn, but yeah. um, that in two years later, the chef owner said, um, would you ever consider giving up the church? Cause I would, I'd bring you in as a part owner. So, oh. yeah. but I said, and he, he said, I know I've lost you to God. <laughs> God, Pam, that's, uh, I have to tell you when you say all these things, when people would want to come to work with Cindy and I, and I, you may not know this, Cindy was an intern from the CCA. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She came and never left. Okay. Oh, now. great. Oh, yeah. 20 years. Most, wow. A lot of the times, honey, I fired interns after the third day and I wasn't being mean, but I would just say yeah. to them, I don't, little tiny company, three or four people for me to stop when you're so slow, as you said, or yeah. so I don't, I, and you have to know how to cook to be a food stylist. I can teach you to style, but right. I can't go back and teach you how to cook. Yes. Okay. It's too, yeah. it can't happen. So people would say, but Cindy came and I am not exaggerating within a couple of days. I thought, oh my God, this kid's got it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, That's nice. all it was. I yes. thought this nice. kid has yeah. got it. And then she never left. Yeah. And we took other interns and she and I, we could do a whole podcast on that. Yeah. We had some that were wonderful. Some we kept, some that went on to bigger and better things and they should have, do you know what I mean? But right. once in a while we would get one that just didn't work out. And there was, I always used to say, and I wasn't mean, but I used to say to them, I'm telling you, this is a learning lesson. Yes. And yeah. I say, so I don't think you have what it takes to work in a kitchen. I don't think you're ever going to be a chef. I don't think you can be a food stylist. Whatever it is, we haven't tapped into that yet. But I say well, this to well, you. Well, good for all, you. No, I say to with all the love in my heart, prove yeah. me wrong. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But there were people that just, I, I they were, and they'd already gone to cooking school. They'd already invested 30 yeah. or $40,000 at the Cordon Bleu and they were not going to make it. Okay. You know, in my experience, you, you've got to have both the, the cooking school, you know, it's very measured. You learn step after step after step. Um, but working in a restaurant, that's where you get your speed. That's where you get, you know, the long view. And that's where you learn about 
costing and using the and, product that you have. And really, I learned more working. I started in the pantry too, but the kitchens that I worked in, I just watched a lot. Yeah. I learned more about management in the kitchen than mm -hmm. I ever learned in business classes that I took or right. being a broker yeah. in a real estate yeah. firm. Well, it yeah. was so different, but you know, and to this day, Pam, there's a, when Kenny and I were having work done around the house, anything. Right. My husband, the three, you know, AAA attorney says things yeah. like to Pedro and the deal memo. Pedro saying, I'm gonna paint the wall. What are you talking about? Yeah. You know what I mean? And of course, but I I'm just saying, when we've had licensed workers working here and stuff, Kenny it's not his bag because he worked in the, the rules in the court of law are so different. Yes, Whereas yes. I, and he's saying, well, how much are they going to get done today? And I say to him, Oh, that's not the attitude you want to take. <laughs> that's not that's right. the attitude yeah. you need to take to make this crew work. Yeah. In environment. I learned more about um, being a good manager, running a kitchen crew than any other time in my life and just human behavior and how to speak to people. If you want to get something done, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and how the people treated me. <laughs> well, and, and to watch, I mean, the, the owner who was the chef, I mean, he, he, he stepped aside and let another person take head chef, but he was, he was a chef, but he was the owner. And he was, I used to say that he could take two nickels, rub them together and get a quarter. I mean, he knew how to, I mean, I was like, my mouth was open. He would, we would take the, the, we would fillet the salmon. Then we would take a spoon and we would spoon off the carcass. And then we would take that, cook that on the flat top and then mix it um, together with leftover baked potatoes and yeah. sour cream and everything. And then you get salmon patties and then you make some creme fraiche. And, and he would, in, in what year was this? This was 2000. He he would serve two of those in two thousand and get thirteen dollars. I mean, That's it was right. like, and that was from leftover product. I was like, this is genius. Yeah, you know what? And that's exactly right. God. That's a great comment. I you turning. Oh, that's such a great comment. I in one job when I was broke, very broke out of school, and I couldn't get a job yet. I couldn't get a job in a kitchen yet. I was working on it, but I couldn't get a job in a kitchen. There was probably one woman in LA working in all the good kitchens. I knew her. Her name was Jeanette. Um, but, and, uh, I couldn't get a job, but I worked in a fish market. And as my mother would say to me under the table, I got cash <laughs> and my mother would say to me, so you went to culinary So you went to college, then you went to culinary school and now you're a fishmonger. And I'd say, yes. And she said to me, oh dear. And that's how she would say, and you know. But you know what I learned? Man, you take those salmon and that heads, I boiled the heads and all that squid, and you had to squish the meat out of it. Sometimes the eyes pop, but you squished the meat out of those cooked heads. It wasn't a pretty job, but that meat made the best salmon mousse I've ever made. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. But that's the French. I mean, that's really, I hope everyone should have that experience. If you haven't worked for a French chef, Hopefully the chefs you have worked for, because the French, there was no, I don't think any, and the Swiss are great, but no one's better than turning a sow's ear into a silk purse than the French. Absolutely.
And they could do it while they were drinking brandy, smoking, and, and screwing the hostess. Okay, so let's be honest about that. Now, so it's true, we know this. So you go back, but now all of a sudden, you've, yes. you're teaching too. You're teaching at the well, local college. The college, the college wanted to start a new food and wine program. And it wasn't going to be full time at to begin with. And and so they, they asked if I would create it. And I go, wow, that's really, that's, that's an opportunity of lifetime. But then I was, they also offered me a church. The church offered me a church in the same town as my husband, which is unusual. And it was like, I I wasn't going to take it, but there was this like, you know, night when I was wrestling, you know, about ready to be Jonah thrown to the whale. And I thought, I think I'm going to skip the whale. So I said yes to the church. I told my chef instructor and he said, okay, but will you teach? So I taught two terms a year and at night and I taught culinary fundamentals and I taught um, wine and sauce making. Fabulous. It was so good because it was at a community college. So I had students who were like 17 all the way up into senior adults. And there were some that couldn't get into the culinary program yet. So they took this to begin with. And I could see, you know, I could see myself. Yes, they were slow because it's like, oh, it's like being in your home kitchen. It's like, I have all the time in the world. Let's enjoy this. And it's like, no, you're on a timeline and you need to organize. So I love teaching for those 10 years. Yeah. That's phenomenal. Now, so tell me now, we're in, I'm moving you to 2012, where you apply for a Lilly yes. Foundation grant. Yes, in the church, they and this goes broad, anybody who's in a church, the Lilly Foundation gives out, I think, 50 grants a year to pastors for renewal. And they don't want you to do something religious. They want you to renew your soul. And you can take up to, I think, four months and do this. And so I I got a grant for $50,000. And that $50,000 allowed um, my husband and I to go to Ireland. And I went to Ballymaloo Cookery School. They have an intensive 12-week, which is, that is like the course to launch. Kids in Europe take that course yes. to launch. And they can get a job after that course. That's so right. We- we lived in Ireland for three months and it was on this hundred acre organic farm with cows and chickens and everything. And there were 60 of us from countries all over the world. It was incredible and it did renew my soul. It was the best thing I've ever done. See that I remember on Facebook telling about it. Do you know what I mean? That you had gotten it. And then yes. you texted me once or twice. So we texted each other a couple of times when you were like in the midst of finals and the menu that you were yes. wearing. If I remember thinking, oh, Lord, I, you know, it was amazing. But honey, I knew Darina Allen. You did. Yes. Whoa. The, because she used to come to IATP. Oh, wow. I knew the original is the original Darina. And then her daughter started showing up afterwards. Oh, so, you knew you not Darina, her, Darina's mother-in-law. The, um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you knew her. Okay. Yeah. And, then, and she was, of course, this is now we're going back to 1990, 1990s, right. right. 
probably the early 1990s, because she was trying to get, she would come to ISDP to get people to come to her cooking school. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Okay. And people would say things like, God, who's going to Ireland to go to cooking school? So, you know, it was, it's like a full circle of, yes, circle of life. But I, but then you started hearing about Bally Malo, you know, it was, and, and any, and then very smartly, a lot of my friends that were in PR, of course, Carrie Goldbutter, people like that, Pamela, started bringing groups to the school to show oh, what yes. they did. Okay. Yes. So yeah. I am, I'm very familiar and very impressed. And how fabulous that you got that grant. How smart Amazing. of you Amazing. to put it together. Absolutely. Now. Amazing. And, and, you know, the church was totally supportive. They were excited for me because the grant also covered so that they could have relief, you know, somebody sure. um, be there. Place. So, but they were, they were excited for me. So it was just a win-win all, all around. Yeah. And then, but when you came back, you went back into a church. I, the same church. I came back, I was in Ashland, Oregon. And so I came back into that church. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you knew at some point soon, You'd be retiring. I did. I I was on track to retire at sixty six. You know, normal yep. retirement time. And then I was I was offered another church back in Eugene, a big church, and the bishop was really twisting my arm. and And I looked at it as as a challenge. It's like, yeah, this is my last my swan song. And I, you know, I'm ADD too, Denise. So there's another thing. And it's like all my life, it's like, if I just apply myself a little bit more, I know I could do a perfect job. And so it's like, this was my opportunity. And so I just plunged into that church with 200% and it was good. It was a very good experience. And I ended up spending three years. So I um, retired a year later, but that was okay. And we kept our house in Ashland and then we moved back to Ashland. So, yeah. So smart again. I have to tell you, Pam, it's there's a pro AD and ADD, AD, you know, they used to just be ADD. Now it's ADHD. Right. And um, of course, when we were kids, nobody, nobody, no, no. all the teacher ever said is Denise is just delightful, but she talks too much in class or exactly, exactly. Or if only she applied herself. I know. I I have to tell you just a cute little story. Please. I was going through my dad's stuff and there was one of my report cards from third grade. And the teacher had written, you know, uh, Pamela needs to apply herself more. And he wrote back, Pamela usually rises to the level of instruction. Oh, bless him. Oh, bless him. <laughs> you know what? I understand why they said it. But it was before people even knew what ADD, Ritalin hadn't been invented. They didn't realize, you know, it's it's just what it is. I process things very differently, Pam. And yes. when you sent me these pages, example, I have to read this two or three times. It's not, it's not, I, I don't, I skip over things. I don't see the word. I, I see the bunny. I see the sparkle. Yeah. Yes. So people don't understand that if they have not suffered with that. Do you know what I mean? And it, 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 it it's a thing. And we so didn't that, even know what it was. I mean, we no. didn't know what it was. I mean, no. I, I started in about like 
the 2000s, I started reading about it and I was identifying it in other people, in my yes. daughter, in, you know, in yes. my secretary, I was identifying it. And then it finally was like, oh, I'm pointing my finger. There's three more coming back at me. But what I did was I just invented, created hacks all my life yeah. to be able to, to get over the, the humps of what, you know, the inattentive brings. It's people have no idea. It, it's, you know, I just always, and I was always just grateful that I went into food. Yes. Kitchens are all they are is organized chaos. So I felt so comfortable there. Didn't bother me at all. Fire happens. Someone gets right. stabbed. There's blood. No. The delivery's late. And, okay. And there was a, a tie in there because, yeah, I felt so comfortable because the kitchen is an adrenaline rush and that yep. becomes your drug of choice. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is Sunday mornings. It's an adrenaline rush. So it was exactly. totally comfortable. When you, yes, it's absolutely true. Now, I love what I want to say and I want to read a couple of these, but, oh, okay. I need to say one thing because I've didn't say this enough in the thing. In every church that you took over, you got a convection oven in the church kitchen. And that <laughs> cracks me up. It's and like, and that is, I mean, we're talking the industrial kind with the, you know, the pull open things because that is such a boon to a church kitchen to be able to cook stuff quickly in the convection oven and have a lot of room. And so I would do that. I mean, Curtis got to know me really well. Oh, got another church. Yep. <laughs> you know what else? What? It's just that. It's just the way it is. Once you had a commercial convection oven, there's no going back. There is not. No. There's no no, no going back. And, yeah. And I have to say that you know, the 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 gas industrial uh, cooktop versus uh, a convection oven. What's more useful in a church kitchen? The convection oven. Of is. course. Yeah. Of course. Now, what I love, Pam, is that on the last page or two, <laughs> you wrote retirement back in Ashland. Now, I have to say this because I talk about this all the time to people. And you put modest goals for retirement. Mm -hmm. I say uh, friends of ours that are, whose wives are now retiring, friends yeah. from high school, friends from college, friends from Kenny's right. business say to me, how was retirement? And I'm very honest. I say the first year or two was terrible for me. I was so used to the 60 hour a week and, yeah. and it's just been in the last year. And it's, so it's been almost four years, but I think, oh God, how did I ever work? I'm so busy doing nothing. I'm so busy doing exactly what I want, but I have mm -hmm. to read these because I think these were brilliant. Keep, your, keep our home, which yes. again, I'm never enjoyed. I never really, I mean, I had a cleaning lady, I had a gardener and stuff like that in LA, but I didn't keep our home because I wasn't there enough. I, I kept the studio yeah. and I was- well, you know, what, I, what I meant by keep the home was be, because in, in the church, you live by and large in parsonages. Of course. So we bought a home in Ashland and I loved it and I wanted to be able to stay in the home. Exactly. So, yes. And we bought this house, sold two other houses. I bought this house and it's it's the happiest I've been since I was a child. Oh, you know nice. What I mean? And I think to my, I love being in this house. Oh, it, I love this house. I love my neighbors. They're very yes. private. I hardly see yes. them, but everybody waves when I walk my dogs and there's oh. wildlife all around me. So it's very yes. wildlife for a golf course. Now, <laughs> and you wrote, be able to buy the food I want to cook and take one or two trips a year. Now, see, 
Those are fabulous goals. Well, and it's enough on the line, I heard you should have some goals for retirement, not just retire and die. And so that's those were the most important to me. I love it. But I think writing them down, I say this to people all the time. I'm a big, Pamela, I, on my phone, Cindy knows, I, I have always have a post-it in my pocket with what I'm supposed to do that day. Yes. Okay. Yes. It can only be four things, you know, but I have, I'm a big list maker. So I have found that by writing things down, it helps me put it out to the universe, totally. helps me remember that that's what I'm planning. So right. I think, um, I think if everyone, and and so if you've already been retired, what are your retirement goals for next year then? Exactly. You know what I mean? You, exactly. It can, it can yes. change all the time. Exactly. Well, you have lots. I mean, I, every year I take stock and I do my list and maybe I accomplish them or not, but there's- That's there. right. Now I'm a firm believer in this because I've learned this. I may not finish the things that I said I was going to do. Right. And that's okay. Yes. So maybe I'll just do what I want to do for me and, and everybody else. Good luck. Yeah. yeah. I, because I started to write the memoir when I was still working, I've written, panel, I've written 500 pages of so much gobbledygook. Some of it's good. Some of it's really crazy ass shit that would never, should not see the I light. I can't of wait to read it. But it may not be like that. Like, because I had a publisher interested, then they turned me down that totally oh. disappointed. They said yes for a week and then they said, nah, never mind. But to make long story short, now I'm just working on the stories that I like and they may not be in order. Good. And I say to Cindy, I'm going to read some of them and put them up on the podcast. And she says, yes. So the, the idea of a whole book like that, I don't know. And I may, but I'll give them away. I'll just put them up. And people say, oh no, you should get one of those newsletters that people charge for. I don't care about that. Okay, I'm just going to write the stories and if people respond to them, great. But so my whole vision of that has changed. That's all I'm saying. Okay. And if you yeah. if you beat yourself up about that, you made a goal and then you don't like that goal anymore. So what? That, yeah. And, and hopefully at this stage in our life, we um, we have a lot of wisdom. And yes. at some point we can say, you know, that that goal really is not you. That's your that was your parent or that's right. Something else. Or that was the goal of someone five years ago. And exactly. I have changed. Exactly. Now, this is so important. Cooking. You wrote cooking and ministry intersection. I love this. Do I have to read this one piece and then you talk more about it? Yes, because it's so powerful. Okay. I used my cooking a lot in my ministry. Guess I needed the practical, tangible of food and feeding people real, in your mouth, taste good, with the more esoteric and intangible of spiritually feeding people. Okay. I just, I just think that is like, Socrates should have said that. Plato <laughs> should have said that. Yeah. So well, should be saying that. I mean, yeah, because ministry is kind of like parenting. You're you're doing a lot of work. You don't know if it's making any difference or not, but you do it. You show up and you keep doing it. But food, I mean, you fix the food. It's there, and people eat it or they don't. Yeah. And it, yeah. And but. Also intertwined, I think, in both ministry and food is something that's very integral and important to me. And that is the whole 
um, umbrella of hospitality. Yes. Because that is truly serving somebody else is you're giving something of yourself tangible to somebody else. People, I I can't, if I had a dollar for every time I'd be rich that people would say, oh, you should open your own restaurant. And I said, you know, I don't want to worry about bottom line because I yes. know what bottom line is. I want to be able to cook as an act of love for friends and family and whomever, you know, maybe the homeless, it doesn't matter. It's just so tangible, but I needed both in my life. It's fantastic. I think it's so, I think that if, uh, all I know is it struck a chord with me, but I'll tell you something, Pamela, if more people thought of their ministries like that, it may be easier for people to swallow. And I didn't mean to make that up. This is is getting deep today. (laughs) It's so integral to me. It's so, all I know is this. And it's so terrible. Hospitality is everything. When people, when we invite friends for dinner, both of these couples, wonderful, wonderful women, but neither of them really care about um, entertaining that much. They just, they're just as happy when we all meet in a restaurant. Do you know what I mean? And then it's and it's lovely but lots of times I'll say no this time we go out to restaurants and these are like our two favorite couples and I'll say I'll cook yeah and it is the and it's a yes it's a lot of work I mean people to entertain it's a lot of work but also you can make it easier on yourself by planning a, a menu that's grill some salmon make a big yeah. salad make a rice pilaf buy a dessert if you don't yeah. you know what I mean exactly so it's not like it has to be crazy. Right. And I think it's, but I know this, sometimes it's just nice to be in your own home and feed your friends. And you're not under time pressure for, no, you know, clearing the space or anything like that. You can move from table to living room and all that kind of, yeah, it's, it's much nicer. It's so nice. And it, why else did I, why else do you have all those dishes in the cabinet? Right. <laughs> why else? Yeah, you know what I mean. Sometimes I think to myself, "Why did we buy those couches if no one's going to sit on them?" <laughs> I mean, really, why did I buy that rug? Why did Why did I care about those pictures if no one's going to see them exactly. with me and enjoy them? It's exactly. crazy to me. Yeah. So. Now, you put down here under challenges, and then we're. This is something that I think is another thing as women, and I don't want to term it as regret. But I, I look back and think I was a product of my environment and of my society. Yeah. You wrote, thinking if I worked hard, was polite, smiled, and wore deodorant, that everyone would play nice in the sandbox. But having female plumbing in the 80s and 90s was suspect. But see, that's so yeah. much. Yeah. Our generation of, my mother would say things like, Oh, Denise, don't raise your voice. Or when I would start working in kitchens and I would swear on the phone door, I'd just say, oh, mother, he's a big fuckhead. That's the only reason. I mean, it has nothing to do with my talent. or Yeah. She would say to me sometimes in horror, you don't speak like that in public, do you? I'd say, oh, oh, of course not. But inside I thought, I know my mother thought the reason why I hadn't gotten remarried was because I swore like a sailor. Oh gosh, yes. You yes. know? Yeah. I mean, but we we were raised that way. So yes. I think that thank God we finally found our voices. 
Thank yes. God we finally realized that that yeah. wasn't, you know what I mean? That that just be, I think you can be polite. I think you have to be very firm. Yeah. And tell people what you want, male or female. Well, yeah. And it's, you know, like you said, it does not have change does not happen overnight. I might have arrived bright eyed and bushy tailed in 1980 at my first church <laughs> ready to slay all the dragons, but they weren't ready for me. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. And it took a long, I mean, it's like, what, what do you mean you don't like me? You know, I, I'm a nice person and I have talents and I will, I will help you and I will be here. And they just said, prove yourself. So it, yeah. it, yeah, it was, it, and I, I think my kids, they alternately were enriched, but I think there was collateral damage too. I used to say that I don't care how a church treats me just so they treat my kids well, you don't always see that right away. And you yeah. hear stories later on and you go, oh my God, why did I ever expose my kids to that? So yeah, I, it's a I, nice bag. It, 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 I look back and it when I finally was made an executive chef in the kitchen, by the way, that the man who'd been in charge, the chef that had left wow. was stealing thousands of dollars oh every my year. gosh catering kitchen they didn't have computer programs yet so see they weren't tracking all the invoices now i'd yeah. gone to work there for a few months and i already knew that he was stealing and Ooh. the reason is is when he didn't have a company party he'd say oh monday night i'm doing a party in marina del rey i want to hire you to come help me i knew the product had come out of his other kitchen okay. so and then that he found and he had a terrible cocaine problem which is just oh, so to make long story short, when I got the job, now we were getting a computer program to show where the money went in the kitchen. I I cut the food cost in half, like in two months. They, they heralded me as a genius, but I just knew it's because I wasn't stealing. Okay? Right. I, I wasn't supporting oh. a second catering company out of one kitchen. Oh, my God. So, but do you know that that year when they redid the brochure, they didn't put my picture in it. They put his. No. Because, I apologize because they said, well, it's just that with a catering company, all our clients are movie stars and rich people and stuff. Well, they don't expect to see a woman chef. <sighs> I know. I know. <sighs> Uh -huh. And at the moment, and it's, I kind of just said, okay, fine. And then later on, the next time it was happening, I said, I want my picture. Yes. I want my picture in the marketing, and I want to be yes. a woman wearing a show. So that's, things happen. Now, we're moving on to wisdom lessons. You wrote some other things, but I need to tell you, the reason why we're not discussing those is I'm making you come back for another podcast, and we're going to talk about some of those. Because they were such good oh. things. And I'm just saying, Cindy and I are going to put on the website and we will give you credit, the woman beyond. This, I think this is what you did by writing pages down. And she called it, Pamela called it her timeline. So it was really just, you know, it's right. a, it was a timeline of your life. I think if all women did that, they would feel so accomplished. Yeah. I think when you write it. Especially at our age. Yes. Yes. All of a sudden you think, oh, I'd forgotten that. See, I do that all the time and I've been keeping yes. notes on when a celebrity has died recently, I, I all of a sudden I'm looking, I think, oh, I worked with them. And I write it down and I remember yes. the funny story about them. Yes. Or, so I, I, it's my note taking. But this is what I love. You wrote wisdom and lessons. God is love, period. 
The love is broader and more encompassing and deeper and more than our feeble minds can comprehend. So don't judge. You're not God. You don't believe it and if you don't believe in god that's okay my father used to say all the time pamela is he also had begun became very discouraged with the catholic church as did my mother so we became presbyterians overnight. oh about that and but we still went to church on sunday do you know what i mean it was great we just went to Presbyterian. yeah, yeah. and um but one of the things my father used to always say is just believe in something bigger than yourself what Perfect. I know. I always thought that and it helped. And I like that you wrote, sometimes you have to just show up and amazing things happen, which I find to be very true. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the Some of the most amazing. In the pantry, you showed up. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like that. Um, we wrote about the, the um, Holland America Indonesian server. And it's like the opportunity presented itself. It's like we were both going to be in this, come to dinner. And what a time we had. Please tell them, because people know that I worked for Holland America for years. You met one Indonesian. You had one friend that was an Indonesian server. And when he came to your house for dinner, how many did he bring? Okay, so so this last, I mean, they're all nice, right? Yeah. But this one was like, he was over the top fun. He yes. was he he gave my husband the menu one night and there it, there was nothing in it and then another night he pulled out the chair and it had a sign that said wet paint you know it was just <laughs> he was a fun guy and so we asked okay well what are your plans well we we're dry dock in march and april in portland go portland because we we're with our portland friends come to dinner at our house you know that was just one of those things those random things so it, there was like lapses in correspondence. And finally, um, I thought magnanimously, well, bring a friend so he would feel sure. more comfortable. And yeah. so I'm planning this dinner with my friend. And then it occurs to me, he's Indonesian, he's Muslim. This is Ramadan. So then I'm trying to figure out, you know, all of his, what he needs to do to break his fast and all that kind of stuff. And I'm I'm messaging him and I said, what's the name of your friend? Because we wanted to do a welcome board for them. Oh, and he says, there's five of us. And I <laughs> said, ha, ha, ha. I said, well, we can put some extra chairs on top of the card. You want to face forward or backwards? I mean, I thought he was giving me a, a hard time. Yes. And so Brian and our friend take this Subaru and they drive to the dock and Brian is texting me and he says, there's six of them. <laughs> Brian and his, and our friend, and then they have to fit six, uh, you know, of these Holland American folks into the car. Three of them got in the trunk, you know, they're all like, but they were wonderful. We had such a good time and they obviously loved each other. And I have to tell you, Denise, we, we did, we tried to do a Northwest dinner, but you know what they all commented on and liked the best, I made bread. And they said, oh, oh this is good bread. And it's it, so, but it was just a fun time. We laughed. We, um, they were out of six of them, four were Muslim, two were um, Christian. And it was, it was just an amazing time. And that, but that was one of those times of just showing up and take advantage of what's put in front of you. There's a whole lot as we get older, I think, and taking risks. Yes. But I think 
when we were young, I didn't even think of as taking risks. Do you know what I mean? I just thought, I I just thought this is what I want and I'm going to go get it. So I, but I think that as we age sometimes, and people think this about older people, you don't feel like taking risks as much for whatever reason. You don't want to fail. You don't want to be embarrassed in front of your friends or you don't want people to think you're nuts or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. But Mm -hmm. you know what? Taking a risk, like inviting them for dinner and showing up with six people. I mean, that's amazing. And the only thing I've ever known about Ramadan, Pamela, when you say that, which cracks me up, is I was once in a working on a TV show and the name would come to me. It was a legal, big prime drama on Monday nights. I'm sure it was called Legal Something. Yes. Legal. But one of the, the storyline was one of the attorneys celebrated Ramadan. So in our... I remember the prop man says to me, well, you know about Ramadan, don't you? You know everything about food. And I went, uh-huh. And I thought, okay, okay, okay. I got some cookbooks at home. But I remember just, it cracked me up because I remember thinking, Ramadan is now in a primetime TV show. Are you kidding me? We are getting better here in America. We are opening our eyes. I know. And I made lentil soup for the scene. Okay, <laughs> okay. But see, for me, again, that that goes under that umbrella of hospitality, of putting your own self aside and saying, okay, what is what is going to be inviting and and welcoming to this other person. I'm going to end with this. And you wrote this. People are more involved, creative, happy, and take ownership when given encouragement and free reign to follow their bliss. Yes. Now, such a simple sentence and so difficult for most people to live by. Well, and I I wrote that out of a the church context, because, you know, people think pastor and then everybody in the congregation. And it's like, no, we're a community and, and you, you lift up all of the gifts and energy. If everybody feels empowered. It, it changes your life. I think that one of the things that I think is terribly, what I don't like, I'm in a woman's Facebook group and Pamela, most of them just say things like, I've been married 44 years and my husband doesn't talk to me anymore and I'm really unhappy. And I read more of those than the happy ones. You know oh. what I mean? It's oh. I, I've stopped being in, I mean, I stopped reading the group every day because oh. I, and I just always, you know, I, I just think to myself, life is too short. Now I'm not saying yeah. leave him tomorrow because financially you probably can't, but you can go somewhere else. I mean, you can sleep there, but you can be out in your community. You could take classes, become a ceramicist, go babysit other people's children in a hospital. Do you know what I mean? Do something, but don't, because if all you are doing is sitting there complaining or thinking that your hands are tied, what a horrible way to live. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, no, I, I, I see life as precious, no matter what the life stage is. And yes. it's just, I mean, gosh, especially like in the church, there's obviously a lot of elderly people, but I think, yeah. I think you probably feel um, as I do, as, as everybody does, your mental age is ageless and you're looking out through these eyes with the, the whole of your life. People see you as an age, but you're looking out and you're all these ages together. Yep. Pamela, thank you so much. Absolutely. When we broadcast this, um, Cindy 
asked you, we can, if you have a picture you want to use, we would okay. love a picture of you when you okay. were in your robes oh, okay. and, or when you're cooking. Absolutely. Okay. I love the picture that I saw on Facebook not too long ago with a ruler when you were making croissants in your, in your kitchen with another woman who we went to school with who's incredible. So <laughs> I just thank you so much for your time. And we of tell course. people if it's okay with you, you know, we can list your email if you if people want to touch base with you sure, about it. Absolutely. So, you know, that's that's the gig. Okay. I have so appreciated this, Denise. It, oh. it's, uh, it's been like you and me chatting. And uh, so it took away all the nervousness. And you know what else? You are coming back. But I'm telling you, by putting together your timeline of your life, I think everybody should be doing that. I think we all should do it because when you look back and you can actually read the words of the things you did. Yeah. It makes, you know, it makes you realize how much you've accomplished. That's all. And yeah. we, we, most of us just discount our accomplishments. Do you know I what know. I mean? I, and we I just, wonder if that isn't because that's what we felt from our moms. Yes. Yeah. I look back now at my mother and how she handled my father's up and down. He was an entrepreneur. What, yeah. Some years we were rich. Some yeah. years we were not rich. Um, <laughs> he tried new things and all the things that my father did. And my mother could have run IBM, uh, you know, yeah. but she, she just, she was incredible. I didn't know yeah. at the time yeah, because she was discounted to just being a housewife. Absolutely. I love you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you, Miss Cindy, for always yes. for everything you do. And Cindy, somehow our technical, we left it up to the Lord. Our technical <laughs> disappeared. And thank you, Pamela. And thank you, Cindy. And thank you for everyone that listens. You contact us at womanbeyondicloud.com. And of course, everyone knows that Cindy takes complaints. I, <laughs> I don't. Okay. Bye, honey. Bye-bye. Bye. I love you. <laughs> that was fun. Isn't that a new